Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. I'll be at Mark chapter 2 in just a moment. Uh, I want my message today is lost, broken, forgotten, and unseen. Lost, broken, forgotten, and unseen. When I was in Bible college, I had a 7.30 a.m. systematic theology class, okay? 7.30 in the morning, okay? No worship, no warm-up. There wasn't even a Starbucks on campus to get a triple espresso just to get the day going. I think all classes before 9 a.m. should be banned. That's what I think. I think it is educational abuse to make our young adults have to turn it on that early in the morning. And all the college students said, I knew I would get an amen from them. Now, you may be thinking, well, that'd be great, studying the Bible at 7.30 in the morning. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because it's systematic theology. It's awful. Can I tell you that? Antinomianism, sacerdotalism, protology, soteriology, ecclesiology. It's as bad as it sounds, okay? Now, I use very, very little of those two wonderful semesters that I took at 7.30 in the morning at Southeastern University, but there was one takeaway that I had from those classes, and it's called the Missio Dei. It's called the, the, uh, the, the Purpose of God, okay? Missio Dei. Do I speak Latin? Yes. Those two words, I'm very fluent, Okay, it is the mission of the church, and it is Missio Dei, the mission of God. It is the role of the church in reconciling people to God. It is the role of the church in reconciling people to God. He took this wonderful gospel, the wonderful work that he did on the cross, and he placed it in our hands to to distribute the message, to live out the message, to send and plant churches. That's the mission of God, the role of the church in reconciling people to God. Because the gospel is about rescuing lost people. Lost people live all over the world. They are rich and they are poor. This past week, everyone grieved at the loss of Matthew Perry from Friends. And I was watching a video that he did about several years as he was making Friends when I didn't know he had that deep of an addiction. And he said for a lot of the filming of those years, I was depressed, I was hopeless, and I was addicted. And you would never think that, would you? Because we think everyone that has wealth and they have a home of certain size and a certain zip code, they are automatically happy and you would be wrong. Money does not give peace. But there are all kinds of people that are lost. They are rich and they are poor. 
They have light skin. They have dark skin. They live in developed nations and undeveloped nations. They live in lands with democratic freedoms, and they live in lands with oppressive tyranny. Many are lost in lifeless religious systems. They are trafficked women and children. They are hopelessly addicted. They are widows. They are orphans. They are lepers to our society. They are chronically sick and they are poor. Many, many are lost, broken, forgotten, and unseen. They are disposable kids to this society. They are throwaway people <clears throat> to our world. And their cries go unheard and their hurts go unseen by this world, but not by God. But not by God. Because God sees and hears. And when Jesus made the proclamation about his ministry here, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom to the prisoner. The recovery of sight to the blind. To proclaim freedom to the oppressed. So for those that we don't hear their cry or notice them, God has heard their cry and he has sent his son. God, it's, a, it's the gospel that elevates the widow and the orphan and the poor and the sick. It's not a theology that you find on TikTok at all. So I want to tell you this story out of, out of Matthew, I mean, excuse me, out of Mark chapter 2, all right? Now, the story takes place in the city of Capernaum or, or Capernaum. If you've been to the Holy Land, you, you have been there, okay? It's a town in the northern part of Israel on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus frequented Capernaum. Many of the disciples lived there. It was just a common place, uh, 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 you know, that, uh, that events happened uh, while Jesus, you know, during Jesus' ministry. And he comes across a man that we're going to read about that has no name in the story. It has no family name. It's a man, he can't walk by accident or whatever. And we don't know a lot about him, but we know back in those times there were certain things that were, you know, uh, uh, certain thinking that happened to those that found themselves in this situation. They had little value to society. I mean, it's different now, but back then they had little value to society, especially like in their family. They had no legal rights, no one to protect them. They had no voice in society. They were basically unheard. They were ignored. They were forgotten by society. They were basically chronically, you know, a beggar, always in poverty, and just lived a life of hopelessness. That was kind of the state of life, you know, that, that this man finds himself in. So Mark chapter 2 in verse 1, I want to read, <clears throat> it says, A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word 
to them. Verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above, above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the man, lowering the mat that the man was lying on. So the man takes center stage, but also we have some men, some people of Capernaum is probably a you know a small town, 1,000, 1,200, 800, something, something like that. You know, they've probably been aware of him, probably known of him, but there was something different in this moment from the times that they've walked by. There was something in their heart where they could not ignore this man anymore. They couldn't just walk by throw a few coins on the mat and just walk by. They just could not sit by. And that's how some people do today. They just ignore. If you remember the story of the Good Samaritan, remember the religious people, when they saw the man half dead, they walked on the other side of the road because sometimes we feel like if I don't see it or don't hear it, then it's not happening. You know, we just kind of remove ourselves, you know, from, from spiritual need. And maybe that's what these guys did for a period of time, but not today. Not today. They could not ignore the cries anymore. These men, they shared a common belief. These four men, <clears throat> that if they just got their friend to Jesus, he could be healed. They shared this common belief that if they just got their friend to Jesus, he could be helped. He could be healed. On this Mission Sunday, can I tell you, listen, we live in a world that is in trouble. We live in a world that is on fire when you watch the news. We, we live in a world that has simply forgotten God as its creator and, and, and its sustainer. We live in a country that has quickly and rapidly moved away from the, the Christian values that caused our birth. And I want to say to you this morning, if we ever have a moment where a clear, consistent message to the world of Jesus saves should be shouted, it is now. It is now. If there was ever a time in world history to maximize the spread of the gospel around the world, it is now. It is not a time for the church to be blind or deaf to the needs of our world. There are lost, broken, forgotten, and unseen people that need to feel the hand of the church and hear the message of the gospel. Give the Lord a shout this morning. We need that message. We got to get that out this morning. So these men, they, they, they come by and they're like, wow, we, we've got to get him to Jesus. And all right, so he's on a mat. We're a long way away. So these men realize that helping this man get to Jesus would require more than one person. 
it would take a team effort. These men realized that helping this man get to Jesus would require more than one person. It would take a team effort. It's more than just one. It takes a collective group to make these things happen. Can I tell you, we live in a world that is lost without God. And this is not something that you can do alone or that we can do alone. We have Hindus representing more than 900 million people worldwide. There is only one missionary for every 7,500 Hindus. Buddhists represent 488 million people worldwide and 86% of them have never met a Christian. India represents 1 billion people with over 2,200 unreached people groups. Due to religious extremism, communism, and ethnic nationalism, there are 65, uh, 65 countries, countries with limited accessibility to the gospel. The ancient lands of the Arab world contain some of the most unreached people. There are 16 nations spanning from North Africa to the Middle East with over 400 million and only 0.4% that follow Jesus, not to mention the vast spiritual needs of our nation. And we are probably worse off than any of those, all right? So, so they come up with this plan. They got this guy laying here. They got to get him across the city, and they're just like, okay, all right, so there's four. He's on a mat. What can we do? All right, so let's everybody get a corner. Everybody get a corner. And let's, let's pick him up and let's, let's get him to Jesus. They, they realized that even though they had this value, if we can just get him to Jesus, they realized it was impossible without teamwork and coordination. So, and it could be a long way. It could be warm. They couldn't do this by themselves. So, one said, I've got this corner. I've got this corner. I've got this corner. I've got this corner. So, when it comes to mission, who picks up their part of the mat first? When it comes to missions, who picks up their part of the mat first? And I want to go, because I'm making a missions application this morning. It would be our missionaries. It'd be our missionaries. They're the first one on the corner of the mat, okay? What is a missionary? If you're new or a global worker, a missionary is someone who travels and lives in another country for the purpose of telling others about Jesus. God calls them. There's a period of training they have to raise money and budget to go. Most of them have to learn a new language, live in countries with new customs and cultures. They're, if they have small kids, they've got to find educational opportunities for their children. They, there are different religious customs that they have to, to learn while they, while they are there. Those are global workers. Those are missionaries who are global workers. In the U.S., we have missionaries that work on high school and college campuses with addiction recovery ministries in the military, prisons, and hospitals as chaplain within our racial and ethnic groups and with developmentally challenged groups. Okay, so they're, they're, they're missionaries here in the United States or around the world. And I want to say this morning, Generations Church, on a, on a monthly basis, we support 140 missions and missionaries, okay? Praise God. Praise God. We have a map. 
kind of have a map that shows our footprint, our little missions footprint up there. Do we have that map? There you go. So every dot represents a missionary, and some of those dots represent multiple missionaries. In some countries, like Spain and some others, we have multiple missionaries there. You can go on our website, and you can look at that. You know, you can look at that map. You can hit those dots, and it'll show you where they're, you know, who is, who is, who is serving there. We have, we have people that care. They're living around the world. They picked up the map first. And I want to say, too, If issues of social justice are important to you as well, especially if you're a young adult, I want you to know that's important to us as well. And we work with and support ministries that uh, deal with human trafficking, okay, Uh, through Project Rescue internationally and Free International domestically. We work with hunger, food security, Convoy of Hope, Feed One, is international, rural compassion is domestic. We support these people financially. Clean water around the world, especially in Africa, we support Africa Oasis, and we also, Speed the Light gives money to World Serve as well, because I want to tell you, if people are sick and they've got malaria, they're not open to the gospel, I want to tell you. So our missionaries are going into some of these places, especially in Africa, and the first thing we do is build a water well. First thing we do is build a water well. We are into foster care and adoption, especially in our country. We are into homelessness. We support and are concerned about homelessness here in our, in our city, in, in our state, and around our nation. We have missionaries that are picking up the mat. God calls people to serve in dangerous places, and God calls people to serve in difficult locations, okay? We have people that we support, and I think it's 32 or 36 out of the 144, they serve in what is called a sensitive area, okay? A sensitive area worker would be one who serves in a country that for security reasons that we would not be able to share their ministry publicly, okay? When you go on our website, you'll see sensitive, you'll, you'll see sensitive areas. And these are missionaries that we support, but you will probably never know who they are or where they serve. We, we kind of know in the office because we're interacting with them. And they live under a certain amount of danger. And here's the deal. They can't tell their stories because we, we can't know who they are and where they serve. Some of our sensitive area missionaries have the most difficult time raising money. They can't come here and go, here's where I'm serving. Here's what we're doing. So a lot of them have issues, you know, when it comes to, to money, and we're trying to keep that in mind when we see a sensitive, uh, sensitive area, uh, global worker, we try to, we try to keep that uh, in mind. But I, w- I want to tell you, there are people that are serving in dangerous and difficult uh, places, but I, I want you to know because why, why do they go? Because those people, God loves them that live in dangerous and and difficult situations. And if there's not some light of the gospel there at all, they'll, they'll never hear. They'll never hear. These sensitive area global workers, they live under threat of having their communication monitored, their residency revoked, harassed by local uh, religious or governmental authorities, or being arrested, and I want to say, or worse, okay? When we communicate with our sensitive area missionaries, when we initiate communication, the first thing I go is, how do you want to communicate? 
They're very careful on email. There are certain apps that we use to communicate to them because their communication is monitored. There's certain words that we do not use. We abbreviate, you know, whatever the protocol, the communication protocol is that they use, we, we reciprocate that as well. We've had many that have had their residency revoked. Okay, if people, they get a, some of these countries, if they get an idea that they're there for a religious person, these people are gone, and sometimes they only have 48 hours uh, to get out. They are harassed, you know, by governmental authorities or local religious authorities, and many of them under the threat of arrest, house arrest. Many of them have been beaten, they've been arrested, they've been deported, and some of them have lost their lives. Okay, I want to tell you, there is a great appreciation for me, for all of our global workers, all of our missionaries. But I want to tell you, there are those that are here this morning that are in some of the most dangerous countries of the world. You would not want your family to be there. And this morning, man, we, we give appreciation. We give appreciation to them. So, amen. <clears throat> but I want to say, I want to say, I want to say, and you need to think about this. Wherever God sends you, regardless of this place, you are safer in the center of God's will than you are anywhere else that you may serve. Okay? Okay? So, well, so they're, they're trying to figure out how to get this guy there to Jesus because he had this common belief if we can just get him to Jesus, you know, that he can be helped. And they realize one person cannot do this. It's impossible. So one person picks up the mat in their missions application this morning. That is our missionary. So who else picks up the next part of that mat? And if your answer is you and I, you answered well, okay? And if you're new, yeah, there's ways that you can help be a part of a, a local and, and worldwide missions focus. First of all, First of all, here's how we can do this. We can pray. We can pray. I'm only going to spend a moment on this. Praying for and with our missionaries and helping to fight spiritual battles that they are facing. Okay? I mentioned to you some of the places that, you know, that people are, are serving, some of our sensitive area global workers. When we communicate that to them, they always say, pray for us. They don't always ask for money. They're asking for prayer. All right, and we're going to do this at the end, but in this book that you have, there are, there, there are countries, there are prayers that you can pray. Last Wednesday night, we spent a few moments praying for unreached people groups. We prayed for the Arab world. We prayed for Israel and Palestine. We took a few moments praying for local churches, believers. Those kind of things are, those kind of things are important. So praying, giving, giving. To, to missions is important as well. How do missionaries get to the country that they will serve? How does it just happen? Do you just pack up and go? You just pack up. Ashley, you just pack up and go? I'm gone. No, no. They are sent and supported financially by the local church. It is a biblical New Testament plan, okay? So the way that we do this is we call it a faith promise, all right? It is a monthly financial promise to help Generations Church fund our part of the Great Commission, okay? That's, that's what we call it, all right? And I ask everyone that attends on some level to give something 
to missions, to give something to missions. We have about 70 families or individuals that give to missions on a monthly, uh, give to missions regularly. Our monthly faith promise amount right now is $6,600 a month. I don't know about you, but that makes me sweat, okay? I don't sweat our mortgage. I sweat this one, okay? The average support to each missionary is about $65. Some are, are more, a few might be just a little less, but that's kind of, but that's kind of what happens. Romans 10 says, listen to this. How then can they call on one on whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? How can they preach unless they are sent? And then it says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. Giving. So in two weeks, we're calling it Send Sunday. All right. We're asking everyone here, there's a card in front of you, a faith promise card to make a, it's, it's not even a commitment. It's just, you know, kind of a promise that you'll give something to missions above your tithes and offerings. We're going to do that in two weeks. So I want you to pray about that. I want you to, to, to say, God, what, what would you have me? What would you have me to do? I want to thank you because when you give financially, it's picking up part of the mat. I want to say thanks to our kids, BGMCs. They've, they've paid for a new roof for the compact moms and kids home. They sent uh, money uh, to feed one, the international feeding program for poor kids in the Caribbean, Central and South America. And do you know that our kids are just a few dollars away from giving $25,000 this year to BGMCs? Good night. Those kids are loaded, or at least their grandparents are. Speed the light this year. They've sent 2300 to a, a sound system to reach villages in a sensitive area. They've sent $1,200 for a water well in Kenya. Our students are doing great. They're picking up their part of the map. Ladies, it's called Touch the World. It's called Touch the World, in which we take money. Ladies raise money, and they furnish the home of missionaries overseas. So when you go overseas, you don't have a dish. You don't have a couch. You have nothing. So ladies across West Florida, they send money to furnish the home of global workers that start with zero. But you know one thing that we've learned, that this is not just a home for the living room, I mean for the family, but in many times, especially in places that there's no church, the missionary home is the church. The dining room is fellowship. The dining room is evangelism because you're having people over for dinner and tea. The living room becomes the church service for small groups. It becomes where people are discipled as well. So I want to say to ladies, this is not just buying, you know, cotton colors, sending it internationally, all right? Now, some of you would really get behind that too, wouldn't you? But the, we are furnishing homes, but it's serving, it's serving in different ways. So you can pray. When you pick up the mat, you can give. You can go. You can go. Go on a missions trip. Sometime in your life, everyone needs to go 
on one trip, all right? And I want to say, we got some images here of some of our trips. You can see them out in the foyer. We've done 15 different trips from Generations Church. If you are a Generations Church trip alumni, you've been on one of our trips, would you please stand wherever you're at? Would you stand? All right, give them a hand this morning. Awesome. Awesome. You can be seated. This past year, we did a construction trip to Honduras. We did a ministry trip to Antigua. We went to Hot Springs and worked at our uh, foster care facility there. We sent 55 people on the mission field this past year. I'm going to talk to you a little more specifically about our missions opportunities, but I just want to say, go on a missions trip. Go. Make, raise the money. Go. I'm, I'm going. I'm going, all right? Or go as a summer intern if you're a younger, young adult. Give part of your summer to serve cross-culturally or, or most of your summer. Be, be thinking about that. And, I, and I, I can help you if you tell me kind of where you want to go. We can kind of help that. If you're a young adult, I think it's a value maybe for you to spend a longer time in a cross-cultural context, all right? And then also consider giving a year or maybe a lifetime to missions. Wit said, you know, hey, I, I'm praying that people will feel called. I, I don't want Ashley kind of to be the last one. I want her to be the first one. We've had others as well. Maybe, maybe you feel a call for a, or a nudge for a longer commitment to, to missions. Okay, be, be open to that call. Be open to, to what God may be saying to you. And I want to say too, like if you go, you know what, my, my education, uh, I'm, I don't go to Bible college. I don't, I don't have a ministry degree. Great. You are the one we're looking for, okay? If you have an education degree, a business degree, a finance degree, we are looking for you. Because in closed countries, you can't get religious workers in there. But they're hiring American workers, they're hiring, it's called a BAM. It's called a business as missions. Our missionaries going into countries, setting up legitimate for-profit or non-profit businesses. You got to write the business plan or you work with a multinational corporation or an NGO that's already in there. But if you've got business, finance, education, or if you like coffee, we can get you in with a coffee shop somewhere. So I'm just saying to you, if you're going, hey, my academic formation has nothing to do with religion, then you are one we are looking for, okay? Come, come see me. Come see me. Serve locally. You can pray, give, go, serve locally. Listen to me. Lost people are lost people. Doesn't matter if they're in Laos or Tallahassee. Broken people are broken people. Doesn't matter if they live in Europe or they live in Tallahassee. Unseen people are unseen people. Doesn't matter if they live in Africa or they live in Tallahassee. Forgotten people are forgotten people regardless of where they're, where they're at. So I'm saying to you, serve locally. Pick up the mat locally. Street hope. GC families living free. All pro dads. Home front for veterans. I mom. Hope community. Teen challenge. Chelsea house. There are all kinds of opportunities in our community that you can serve 
locally. Pick up the mat. Pick up the mat. One of the greatest misses that we've ever had in missions occurred back in the 1200, during the Mongolian Empire. We have a map I want to I want to put up there. The Mongolian Empire. Kublai Khan, the grandson of Genghis Khan, he finds himself he finds himself the leader of the Mongolian Empire. And this the it was so vast from Europe to China, east to west, from Southeast Asia to Russia, North to south. I want you to look and kind of look at the countries that it represents today. All right, look at that. Look at that. So Kublai Khan, he's, he, he's not a believer at all, but he finds himself, he finds himself o- over this Mongolian empire. And he sees great spiritual need for whatever reason. So he writes a letter to Rome to Pope Gregory. Okay, and this is what the letter says. Send me 100 men skilled, skilled in your religion. If they were convincing, he said, I shall be baptized, then all my barons and great men and their subjects. And so there will be more Christians here than in your part. He wrote that to Pope Gregory. Pope Gregory read the letter. He waited two years. And then he sent two missionaries. And about halfway from Rome to the Mongolian Empire, the missionaries thought it would be too dangerous. And they didn't go. They didn't finish the task. Can you put that map back up? How... Could the world have been different? (laughs) How could the world have been different? If there would have been a strong, robust answer that he didn't just send a hundred, he sent a thousand. Because I want to tell you, there are all kinds of people that have an opportunity to pick up the mat. They're too busy, got so many things going on, it's not my thing. That's what we pay the, the staff to do the, uh, for, for whatever reason. And we missed, we missed that opportunity. I want to finish the story in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, now, let, let, me, let me remind you. They get to the house. They get to the house. Jesus is preaching. There's so many people that they're spilled outside. They're so hungry and these guys, again, they have an obstacle, okay? Now we got to get this guy to Jesus. So what can we do? Two of them said, you know what? This may sound crazy, but I'm going to get up on the roof, and then you pass the man to me, and we'll get in the middle of that, and we will start tearing off the roof. And all four of them said, yes. That's a great idea. So once again, the task is bigger than one person. There are obstacles along the mission's path. It just doesn't lay out easily. So they start handing this man up. They get him on the roof in the center of the house. And the man starts tearing off 
the thatched roof. They did this with a big smile. The owner of the house was not smiling as much. Okay? I like to say, if I'm the owner of the house, if you tear off my roof to get a man to Jesus, I'm just telling you, there better be a healing. That's all I'm saying. There better be a healing. Working together. Get him up on the roof. Let's lower, let's lower him down. Verse 5 Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, how does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took up his mat, walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God and said they have never seen anything like this before. Can I tell you this morning, this man's life was different because of four men who picked up a mat and walked toward Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that the kingdom of God is different because there are people that pick up a mat and they walk toward Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that heaven is going to be different because of the mat and the influence that you've had. It said every nation, every tribe, and every tongue will be singing around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And that's because people, they picked up their part of the mat. Lost people, broken people, forgotten people, unseen people. Jesus saves as you see it in this man's life. Jesus saves, he forgives, he heals, and he restores. And that's the message that we've got to make sure that we get out into this world. So everybody's got to do their part. All right? Everybody's got to do, everybody's got a part. Everybody's got a part. This thing's too vast. Just to go, hey, missionaries, God bless you. Go do a good job. All right? We can't do it by ourselves. We can raise all kinds of money, but if there's nobody that wants to go, then, then, then we can't do it. All right? We've got people who are willing to go. I, I talked to you a minute ago about sensitive area global workers. We never can show you their name. We can never, you know, let you know where they work. But I'm telling you, there's some amazing work that's being done this morning by the first ones that pick up the mat. And this morning, we want to take a moment. You can't see their faces. You won't know their names. But I want you to hear their voices this morning. And the worship team, you can come. In a region that is over 99% Muslim. So we are part of a church plant training team and every week we set aside time to meet locals and to share the gospel with them quickly. We do this because it might be the first and only time that they
they get to hear the good news. One thing that we look for when we share are Muslims who are passionate about learning more about Jesus and who are willing to share the good news with their friends and family in spite of the potential consequences they might face. It feels like so little in a city of over a million people, but we know that God can do so much when we follow the Holy Spirit. Some things that you can pray for are for Jesus to reveal himself to Muslims. Pray that he speaks to them in dreams and that their hearts are open as we share the good news with them. And also you can pray for our family and our three small kids as we continue to adjust to cross-cultural living. Thank you, Pastor Ryan and Generations Church for all you do for missions. Hello, Generations Church. We are your missionaries serving in the Arab world. We wake up to a constant reminder that this very land rejects the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Satan's deceit over this place is strong. Omar grew up in a family that lives in this darkness without the possibility of knowing the love of Jesus. Not because he chose to reject him, but because no one has ever told him. But we are believing for Muslims to be born again, given a new heart and radically sharing their faith no matter the cost. We are believing for illegal Bibles to be passed under cafe tables. We are believing for families to worship Jesus secretly in houses. Churches to plant churches until a movement of his kingdom sweeps through this land, changing society we're not there yet until we are we abide in him we share wherever we go our business gives us access to this closed country and a standing that thrusts us into community we spend lots of time with people who are open we pray and we intercede because we recognize that we can't do this alone we need an outpouring of the holy spirit omar didn't stay lost somebody shared with him and that night, he had a vision of a deep darkness surrounding him. But the risen Christ came and expelled that darkness. We're so thankful that we aren't doing this alone. Thank you for joining us and believing God for his kingdom to sweep through this land and the Arab world. Hi there, Generations Church. I am one of your global workers serving here on the ground in a sensitive location. I serve on a team with the vision to bring the church where the church does not exist. And for us, that looks like planting underground churches in um, an undisclosed location here in Central Eurasia. And we are rejoicing that lately this summer, we have seen such a fruitfulness of new discipleship relationship formed and even new churches being formed and meeting together. And we are rejoicing. So you can rejoice with us in that. And in the midst of that, you can pray for us as our team is in a time of transition and many of our local partners are facing hard situations with the government. So I ask that you would pray for our team, that we would hear God's direction and that ultimately wherever God asks us to move in whatever direction he's asking, that his, his will be done and he gets all the glory as he calls his people unto him. Hello, Generations Church. Me and my wife and our five kids are your missionaries serving in the Arab world. We live and work in a country that's 99.4% Muslim. So it's against the law for us to go in this country and declare Christ openly. It's against the law for us to go in as missionaries. And yet, through all this adversity, God is faithful and he is building his kingdom in our city. Because of your faithful prayers and your faithful giving, God has established a small house church in our home that meets every single week. Please continue to pray for us and with us that this small house church 
would branch out and plant more house churches throughout this country. We couldn't do it without you. We love you. We thank you so much for all that you do for us. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Two of those that you heard <clears throat> were uh, kids that were on my camp staff when I was in Kentucky. They were teenagers. They were dating. Took them on their first missions trip to Jamaica. They got married later and been serving and messaged me a couple years ago and said, hey, here's where we're going to go. Can you support us? And I said, absolutely. We'd support you. But I see these young kids. I see them in a really difficult location with their three young kids. You know, I, I pray for them. Another one of the voices that you heard is in the world's most dangerous country if you're a Christian. Okay? It's in the world's most dangerous country if you're a Christian. But you didn't get any, you know, like apprehension. You didn't hear tears. You heard joy. You heard joy. The first generation. There's no church over there. There's no network. You know, they, they don't have services on Sunday. So I, I want you to know that our missionaries that have picked up the mat, you know, they've done well. And with the same faith and joy and love for the lost that they respond, we as believers and followers of Jesus want to do that as well, finding our part of the Great Commission, but also in how we, how we serve and the other opportunities that we, can, uh, that, that we can help as well. I want you to stand. I, I want to do a prayer today. And then I want you to get your booklet, if you've got your booklet we're going to do a little prayer here. We're going to use this, this booklet today. And if you don't have one in your local you, or close by, you can come get mine if you want to get it. But before we do that, I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. Maybe there's some of you, maybe you've kind of been kind of deaf and blind to needs, but don't know it or see it, then it won't ever bother me. So we separate ourselves geographically from cries and brokenness. Okay? Maybe that's been you. You know, where you live, where you work. You never, you never see any pain. You never see people who are lost. Maybe God will change that in your heart. You know? Maybe you just kind of sat on the side. I'm praying today. Just for a, a, a fresh heart of Jesus when it comes to the lost and the, and the broken. Maybe you're here today and, and you, you've been sensing God's call to missions in some way. God, maybe God has been speaking to you. You don't even know what that means. You're not even sure what the next step. That's fine. The first step is just to go, okay, Lord, I, I know that you're dealing with me. Maybe some of you, God's dealing with you about local service here. Maybe there's a ministry that's in your heart, maybe that we don't even do here. Maybe there's a greater way that you can make sure that you've got your hand on the mat as well. So I want the worship team to sing that. I'm going to come back and pray, and then we're going to pray over this booklet this morning. Let's, let's, let's do this together. God speak to, to you this morning. You want to, to do whatever you want to 
pray across this place. God, I pray. I pray that you would speak to us about our role, our involvement, the great commission without the church. It's just a nice saying on some pages. Missio Dei, the mission of God without the church. It's just a nice saying in some theological, systematic theology book. Lord, the mission of God involves the local church, the believers of the local church, the individuals of the local church, realizing the, the great and vast spiritual need and doing what we can. Lord, I pray today, I pray that you're speaking to people about local involvement, serving locally. 
serving locally. I pray today, Lord, I pray that you're calling people to missions. I pray that they're sensing, God, that you may have something else in store for their life. There might even be a summer intern that you're calling today to go serve cross-culturally this summer. Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray, God, I pray that you would... I pray that you'd speak. I just want to do that chorus one more time. Make room, and then we're going to do some more prayer really quick. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I will make room for you. That's a prayer this morning. That is a prayer. Whatever you want to. some missionary prayer just for a few moments and we're going to go if you got your booklets handy if you got one on page two there's a list of all of our missionaries countries sensitive areas state local okay and then on page 14 toward the end there are different kind of religious systems and, and areas i just want one of those places find a missionary find a country Find it in the, in the back of the book. Find a, a region, an area to pray. All right? And just for just two or three minutes, we're just going to be quiet. They're just going to play. But I want us to do some prayer this morning. I want us to pray. I want us to hold up the hands of, of our missionaries who, who've gone. Let's take a few moments. Let's do some missionary prayer this morning. And for 30 seconds this morning, I want this entire church, I want us to pray for global workers that are serving in sensitive areas this morning. Can we just do that? I want you to think of some of the most dangerous places in the world. 
Can we just do that? You just call their name. You, you just, just say, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. Lord, we pray. We pray. We pray. We pray over them today. Thank you. They've taken their children in cultural context that we, if they were our grandchildren, we wouldn't want them to go. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, bless them. Bless them. As they're meeting people, as they're having coffee and tea, open doors, Lord, personal doors. This is one-on-one. Oh, God, your spirit, your spirit, governmental, uh, governmental laws cannot stop the move of the Holy Spirit. I pray the power and the presence of God. Let it rest upon those. Lord, we pray. We pray for favor. Lord, we pray for favor. We pray for resource this morning in those emerging areas. God, those dark areas, those godless areas, lifeless religious systems. Lord, you're hearing, you're hearing that cry. And we pray over the, we pray over those serving in sensitive areas. Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for them. And Lord, I pray over this church. Lord, I pray. We can't do it all, but Lord, we want to do our part. We want to do our part. Lord, let us not just meet and have good services here, but Lord, let this church be a lighthouse for the gospel of Jesus in this community and around the world. God, use this place, use this church in the poorest zip code in the state of Florida to provide financial resource for missionaries around the world. Do a financial miracle in this house so that many, Lord, can hear and know about the wonders of Jesus. God, we pray, we pray locally in this city that we would make an impact. Lord, in our state, we would make an impact. And around the world, Central, South America, Africa, Lord, Europe, Lord, all other places, Lord, we pray. Lord, let this house be a lighthouse for the gospel of Jesus. We give you thanks. Sing, make room one more time, and we'll let you go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.